You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning. Welcome to the World Football Programme, Saturday morning, May the 1st, pinching a punch for the first of the month and, and all that for all you kids that are up. Mine is not. It'll be lunchtime before she's up. She's in adolescent stage. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm going to get the pinch and the punch in first. Yes, she might be sleeping, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Penny Tanner-Hoth, hosting today, along with Neil Bennett. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Penny. Thanks for having me on. No problems. It's great to have you in the studio. Fantastic voice, by the way. You're welcome back. And <laughs> Andy Arena is going to join us at some point Um Hopefully in the next 10 minutes before we get Tony Sage on the line, he'll be our first guest. Um, Andy's been on the show before and uh, true to always, he makes his late entrance just so that we all know that he's coming (laughs) into the show. (laughs) Nothing like a grand entrance, is there? (laughs) No, not at all. And uh, Neil comes from the Northern Redbacks uh, fame and Andy is affiliated with the Vic Park Victory or the Vic Park Soccer Club. I think it's... Soccer club was a football club. I'm not sure. A lot of them call themselves soccer clubs now, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty important actually, because there is a lot of AFL in our community, and when you're looking at those signs on the road for registration, they don't have the ball on them to define the FC or the SC, and yeah. you can ring up and you say, "No, sorry, wrong game." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to make sure about that. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. We're here for the next couple of hours until midday. Always following the. Very joyous vibes of the Irish program and the jazz show is after us. Sean will be hosting next week. And today we have a great lineup of guests, as always. Tony Sage from Perth Glory is going to be joining us. Ryan Lennigan from Football West talking about how things are panning out post-COVID lockdown and fixture changes and how clubs are going and all of that. We'll have a chat to Stace Ioannidis from Soccer Scene. He's the CEO there. And... Their platform pretty much talks about 
good business models, bad business models, sponsorship, uh, TV rights, all those kind of things on the high-end side of football and soccer across the nation. And we'll have a chat to Miranda Templeman. So I could probably say future Matilda, former budding host of the show and now residing in Sydney and looking for new adventures and hopefully going to be part of the Matildas program at some point, maybe the Women's World Cup, Neil. Well, it's, if you're not in sort of thinking about that at, at their age, then I don't know why you're, you're playing the game because it's, that's got to be your number one target at the moment for anybody who's on the fringes of anything that's to do with the Matildas. They should all be pushing really, really hard for that. Yeah, absolutely. And Miranda's uh, following her dream mm. and gone to the hub of football along with uh, Isabella Wallhead. I think she's moved over there as well. Yeah, yeah, so I believe. And uh, I think uh, Lexi Marino is over there. Um, Morgan Aquino is uh, in Sydney as well. And I think uh, Letitia McKenna has also stayed over there as well after a stint with Brisbane. So there's a number of them have gone over to the MPLW in, in Sydney and, and to the Future Matildas program as well. I know that I'm thoroughly biased in talking about women's football, so my listeners get a you know big hit every time <laughs> I'm hosting. But I, I do feel quite excited about the women's football space and the changes that are happening in the last couple of years with Matildas moving overseas, playing in very professional leagues, the profile being a lot more visibility mm. and streaming has meant that we're able to access women's football space a lot more. And that means for us here in Australia, we can follow you know women's football more than we have before. And if we, say, do a comparison, if I'm allowed to say that, with, say, the men's football space and where the Socceroos are at, it's a quiet space. Mm. I feel it's a quiet space. Not that the Matildas have a lot on their plate right now because COVID's affecting everybody. They've played a couple of international fixtures and we've seen some of the styles of football that are out there that we have to kind of work towards uh, defeating and playing against, which is pretty good because coming up to a World Cup, there's going to be lots of different styles. But in the men's football space, the Socceroos are just quiet. That's how I see that. It has been very quiet, yeah. But I think that that's bound to ramp up um, with the Olympics coming in in the next few months, uh, fingers crossed. Um, and certainly they, they do take uh, uh, the lion's share of, of the media when the big tournaments are on. But I think for for the Matildas, absolutely. Uh, they've, they've really sort of led the way for women's football, especially in the last five years, and I think uh, as 2023 gets closer and closer, that's only going to that's only going to grow. Uh, the coverage of the women's game is going to get bigger and bigger. Yep, there's a lot of space to move into, and it's like having a training session when you encourage the players not to stand still; they have to move out of the area to encourage something in that space to be filled, either a good pass or some communication or something like that. You just got to do that. So we are going to give a big thank you to all of our partners and sponsors. Uh, thanks very much always to Perth Glory for giving us access to uh, guests and conversations. Uh, West Coast Futsal, who have now changed their name to Futsal WA, and you can see their new website, um, different colours, etc. Um, if you land on Futsal WA, the, they've got a great Facebook page there with all of the Super League competitions, etc. happening there. So thanks to Greg and the team there. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron for custom-built fencing and gates, which is just going through the roof at the moment with the trades and the supplies and materials going up and down and down and down and up again. It's just incredible. If you've tried renovating your kitchen or building something on your property, you'll know that the wait times are just extending out, so the building industry is amazing. And Gate and Fence Hardware WA for all the bits and pieces, so handymen out there. If you want your bits and pieces for gates and fences, um, go and see Gate and Fence Hardware at WA. 
And if you want to say something about football, please do land on our World Football Facebook page. And if you want to listen into the show at any stage, theworldfootballprogram.com.au. So that's a double M-E. That is the English way to say program. It is. It's not the American yeah. one. Thank you. I like the way you looked at me very strongly and <laughs> yes. said, yes, okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's, let's get rid of all the American spellings and let's stick with the uh, Australian English spellings, please. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you know the word G-A-O-L as jail? Um, I have to say this came up when I was a very, very young boy and it was a spelling test and I was asked to spell jail and I spelt it J-A-I-L. Oh, yeah, yep. And it was marked wrong because the teacher said, no, G-A-O-L. And yep. I thought she'd misspelt it for goal. Yep. That was my football brain yep, kicking in absolutely. There. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but jail, no, it, it doesn't doesn't sit right with me. It's always been with a J as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's a very traditional way of spelling. I, I don't know if it's English or an Australian thing. I have no idea, but um, there you go. We're going to go to a break and we'll come back and chat to Tony Sage from Perth Glory. This is Penn and Neil on the World Football Programme. Thanks for listening in. 107.9 FM, your local station. 107.9 G'day, I'm Peter Skeeler, the man behind A-LeagueStats.com and part of the world football team for 2021. Joining me this year will be women's football expert Penny Tannerhoth, Ashfield Sports Club member Sean Kelly, Subutio expert Hugh Best and Junior Matilda's goalkeeper Miranda Templeman. We will be with you every Saturday morning through to the end of November talking football. Catch the show on live stream or via our new website, listen in later on the podcast or land on our Facebook page and share your football news. The World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. And Greg Farrell, if you're listening out there, it's time to upgrade that promo to the new name. So make sure you get in touch with me, mate, so we can play the new one for next week. Welcome back, everyone. You're on the World Football Program. And just in case you haven't heard, 
Now, you do not have to wear masks. You're allowed to watch your kids play football over the weekend. So all those parents out there with the questions, what's happening um, from 12.01 today, that was AM, we're allowed to be out and about again, um, socially distancing or wearing masks in uh public one of the two making sure you use your covid app all those kind of things are still in place to protect everyone but uh some normalcies back into the community which is great which is also allowing perth glory to play their game today at one o'clock and have people in the stadium tony which is fantastic news thanks for having me on guys yeah look uh brilliant uh some of the rules are a bit bizarre but um uh, unbelievable that uh, we were able to convince not only macarthur so we thank them very much for uh, uh, helping us out there. But, um, yeah, getting the 75% capacity is good. But like I said, a bit bizarre. You know, we at, uh, during the 50% capacity, we were allowed to have the shed open, and now at 75%, they are trying to stop the shed being open. So we're still in discussions uh, with the government on that, and hopefully by kick-off we'll know if we're, the shed can stand uh, uh, be, uh, be uh, open or not. Gotcha. So Shed supporters, stay tuned because at the moment the last word was the Shed wouldn't be open, but by kick-off today it might be open. Well, that's fantastic news. So log yeah. in to the Perth Glory website to find oh, out more about that. Yeah. Okay, good one. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're doing ongoing discussions all, all through the night. We're just trying to get to the sense of it because, as I said, when we were 50% capacity, uh, the Shed was allowed 50%. Um, capacity, so from 2,000 to 1,000. Um, and uh, now, with 75% capacity, we would have thought they could fit 1,250 in there, but uh, they're saying none. So uh, we don't understand why and what the logic is uh, if, if on consistency. So, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting the battle, and because it's the most important part of Glory's history is the shed, we want it open. Yep, it adds to the culture and the game day atmosphere. But the worst case scenario is that everybody will get in to be able to watch the game. They just might be in a different space. We've uh, now reserved that area just in case the shed is closed in front of the shed, right in front uh, where the seats are, and uh, they'll be able to stand uh, there instead. So I just don't understand the logic. I mean, if they're standing there and they're standing in the shed, what's the difference? But anyway, um, you know, we're the safest place on the planet and we just abide by the rules. Yeah, I was just talking to Neil earlier about that, how, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was, people would see Perth as a very quiet place, not like other humming cities in the world. Why would you want to come there if you, you know, wanted to live the high life kind of thing? And now it's like, yeah, it's one of the safest places in the world and we want to be here because it's so damn isolated. Yay us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got friends all over the world, as you can imagine, and they're all very envious and they all, all, want, uh, uh, all want to get here. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's fantastic. But again, uh, just some of these bizarre things and uh, we just want to sort it out because uh, we think there's no difference between standing in the shed and standing 10 metres below where the seating area is. We just don't know yep. why that would be. So just uh, as a bit of a, a, a review for the game today, playing MacArthur, the game's at 105. Um, you can, I think this one's live on Fox. You correct me if I'm wrong. So if you can't get to the game, and, and there are a heap of games on today, so all the local competition fixtures are back on. So there's going to be State League and NPL right through the day. So if it's difficult for you to get there, there are ways that you can hop on board and watch the game. So I would suggest, uh, Tony, maybe go to the Perth Glory uh, website and have a look at the game reviews there and catch it if you're mobile watching other local games. 
Yeah, yeah. Look, it is um, a difficult time um, for us because obviously all the NPL players and fans, uh, the kids uh, might not be able to get there. The early morning kids will, but uh, the afternoon, I mean, it's a huge day for NPL between one and five. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's the time slot uh, that uh, we're experimenting with with Fox. Uh, Fox, just just look at it from their point of view. If it was a seven o'clock kickoff, it finishes at eleven over east, and that, so they've never tried a one o'clock kickoff here. Uh, so it's a trial uh, one o'clock that finishes um, at five o'clock their time, which leads into the ABC game, and then the the other game after that. So instead of Eastern Standard Time uh, um, five till uh, sorry three till nine, it's uh, um, uh, 5 to 11. So it's two hours less uh, and they think they'll get more viewers having it. So it's an experimental time. Um, doesn't suit us down to the ground, but we are very thankful that uh, it got shifted from last night. Yeah, absolutely. And tell us what's happening in the decoupling space for FFA to FA to A-League moving yeah, forward. Yeah, look, we hope that's uh, finalised uh, by June 30 and um, there's nothing to suggest it won't be finalised in the next two months. It's just paperwork now. You can imagine 12 uh, different owners, different structures they've got for their league. Uh, the FFA, uh, um, it is a difficult uh, legal process uh, to, to, to make sure all the documents are ready in time. Um, so that, that, that's the hold-up. Uh, everything's been agreed. Everything was voted through on the Congress. It's just now tidying up the legal work, and that should be signed in the next two months. And uh, we will take over the league from the 1st of July. And uh, thank goodness for that, because uh, the fixturing, again, is absolutely diabolical. After all Perth's done, uh, four road trips, one was four games, um, 31 days isolation, uh, a lot of that was no training. Um, so we've done a lot, and now they're forcing us to go to New Zealand for the last game. Yes, that is some road trip. Um, and subject to what happens with the COVID space in the meantime, when Perth went into lockdown last week, so it affected things locally here, refixing all the local fixtures, et cetera, et cetera. Um, who knows what's going to happen in the road trip space? Uh, and when is that, June June 5th, I think, is that last fixture? That's yeah, somewhere around there. But it's just not fair. I mean, that's three more home games away. That's yep. uh, another road trip. So we're playing uh, Newcastle as well as uh, Brisbane because that was the, remember the Brisbane game got postponed last week. Yep, we were supposed to fly there. So you know, there's so many other teams closer. Just like Coffs Harbour. I mean, how ridiculous was it sending Perth to Coffs Harbour, especially after a road trip, um, when you've got Sydney teams and Brisbane within fourth to within an hour. And they send us. And wouldn't you rather, if you're a Coffs Harbour resident, you're not likely to be a WA fan. You're more likely to be one of the Sydney fans and you'll get a bigger crowd. It was just a ridiculous decision. And this is ridiculous as well. They could have any of the teams on the Eastern Seaboard going for that last game instead of us. Just bizarre. So if you move into the new space uh, post-association uh, with uh, FA, so to speak, uh, what do you think is going to change about the fixturing? Uh, well, look, we'll have uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a lot more input. I mean, uh, there's 12 owners at the moment, and each CEO will be hammering out the best fixture list uh, for each owner, each club. There will be fights, and uh, uh, I, I believe, but at least you will get our input. At the moment, we get no input. I wrote to them uh, two weeks ago, and I said, we're not going to New Zealand. The fixtures come out, we're going to New Zealand. 
Um, it, it's just, you know, you have no say whatsoever. You have got no one to talk to. It's just a, a, a um, um, dictatorship. So would there be a compromise of playing halfway? Is that would that would be the perfect scenario here? Well, it was. The, the scenario was we were going to play in Wollongong, uh, where they've been based for the last uh, six months. So that was what the compromise was. I, I left the, the phone call, the meeting, and everything was set. All the owners said we shouldn't go to New Zealand because if there's a case over there, uh, the Prime Minister over there is, is a, as aggressive as our Premier, and they will close the borders. So that means Perth Glory team will be either stuck there or come back here and have to hotel quarantine. Yep. Yes, yeah, not an ideal world at the moment in terms of... Say yeah. we make the finals, which we are hoping to do, that means we're in hotel quarantine for two weeks. That throws the final series uh, out of whack um, and we won't be able to train for the finals. It, it, it's just bizarre that they would do that, um, especially when you can see what one hotel case here does to a state. Uh, imagine if that happened in New Zealand when we were there. How do you feel about the fixtures moving into well into the local football space? Like this year, the last fixture is on June 5, and there might be more after that because of postponements, refixing, whatever. But how do you feel and, and moving into the new season, when are the fixtures likely, what period of time are they likely to be in? You know, uh, the TV deal hasn't been inked yet, so it's going to be a lot to do with that new broadcaster, and we all know it's not Fox. Um so what we will do, as soon as that's inked, they're signed up and it'll be announced, and I believe it'll be announced before the end of May, uh, we will sit down with the new broadcaster and say, right, when? Because we don't even have a start date yet for the new season. Now, uh, they, they, they want us to push to winter, the FA. All the owners want to keep it where it is. So there will be a little bit of a crossover. So if you looked in the previous season, we finished in April and had the final first week of May. Now the finals this year are going to be in June. So what months do we want to start? Now, most owners want to start in November and finish in uh, April uh, and have May for the uh, finals. So we'll see what happens and what the new broadcaster wants to do. So uh, that's the sort of timing. So fixtures won't be set till probably um, late August for the next season. Yeah. And what about in the um, women's space? There's a, a lot of uh, excitement growing, um, a lot of movement towards Australia hosting the Women's World Cup where our players, what Perth players are going to be part, as part of the Matildas have been an ID camp and when there's no WA players selected there. What are your thoughts on um, Perth Glory and the model that they've got and helping push players forward into maybe national selection? Yeah, um, ours has been a, a youth policy and uh, we've got four that will be, I believe, and our coaching staff believe will be Matildas uh, going into the future. So we're going to develop them. A lot of those players in other teams wouldn't get a chance, 16-year-old, uh, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-olds. Um they would not get a chance. So we've signed, uh, obviously, I won't say in which order, but Lowry, etc., cetera, uh, to contracts. So we're going to develop our squad around those talented youngsters. And we believe in two or three years' time, um, I mean, we, we only got a point, I think, out of the last season, but those girls got so much experience. And you imagine it, ripping a, six, a 15 and a half, 16-year-old kid out of school, doing a two-week road trip, 
uh, over East. What invaluable experience would that give them in how to be professional, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to build on the youth. Uh, we're not going to have any internationals uh, other than the ones we've already got for this year because uh, I don't get any uh, space in New Zealand at the moment. Uh, but what we think is going to slow the development of Australian youth is the teams like uh, Western Sydney and Sydney and, and Melbourne City that bring in all these internationals, right? They're not giving any of the young kids a chance, the Australian young kids a chance. They just want the silverware, but uh, we want to give our chance. Look, we took a, a, a risk on Sam Kerr when she was 15 and a half, right? She played 10 years for the club. She's now a champion. She'll probably win the um, uh, Super League uh, um, uh, champion of the year, you know. Um, and that came through our youth from the very beginning. So we've been nurturing youth all the way through. Um, and I think for the World Cup, a lot of the girls that are fringe in their own countries uh, will stay in their own countries to get into their own teams. So I don't think there will be many internationals over the next two seasons in most of the clubs. Mm. Um, what about the game this afternoon in terms of uh, moving back over into the men's space, um, availability of the players, uh, chances at, at the moment? We're sitting 10th on the table out of 12 and, and, of course, we want Glory to move up into the finals. I think we're into round 16, I think, of 24, so plenty yeah. of time and space to get to that place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got three games in hand on uh, sixth spot or seventh now, so with the, with the game overnight. Um, so that's nine points, right? We've got nine points to catch up uh, games on, on Western Sydney, for example. So we've got seven in a row at home. Uh, if you look at the last three or four years, uh, we have an 80% win record at home. So say we win five of the seven and two draw, that will put us into the six easily, and that will then depend on those last three games away to Brisbane, Newcastle and Wellington. But look, we give ourselves every chance. We, we've had a, a, a horrid season with um, quarantine, um, lack of training. That's a direct result of Castro's injury, uh, Sebastian's injury, Agostino's injury, all related to non-training uh, and being quarantined and then going straight into a game or... So, you know, it's been very, very interrupted. Now we've got six at home. We're going to be home three and a half weeks. They won't have to travel. Uh, and they're hungry. Uh, so I think uh, we'll have a win today. Uh, they're really hungry, the boys. Uh, they've trained excellently this week. Um, and that'll give us impetus. Then we play the top team on Wednesday. And uh, Melbourne City against us in the last three years, I think they've won one game. So we have a bit of a wood over there, especially in Perth. Um, and that'll give us a lot of confidence. We pick up those two wins early, and then we got next Sunday. So, look, it'll roll on. Uh, we've done it before. I don't know if you remember. A few years back, we were dead last at Christmas, and uh, uh, we ended up being uh, on top of the ladder. So uh, it, it, it's a quick turnaround, um, especially with Monday, uh, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday games. But um, I think we've got the depth in the squad now to do that. Yeah, so the key is to all the fans keep their eye on the Perth Glory website for fixed changes, shed changes and so forth. Andy, did you want to jump in? Yeah, hi, Tony. Andy Arena here. I'm, I'm late, like uh, Perth Glory's run at the finals, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Um, uh, but I, I'm glad you talked about the um, yeah the finals because I was actually looking at that not only for us but, but for Wellington as well. I mean, they... 
they're on a bit of a run. They'll be pushing for finals. And, you know, what's going to happen with them if they're quarantining left, right and centre and, and delaying the, that final series? And you talk about the start of 2022, you know, what's it going to do for that? So, yeah, it's interesting. And I, I don't hear a lot about that. It's, you know, you're the um, first person that I've heard sort of talk about that. And, you know, you, you question how much... Uh, thought is given to um, a lot of those issues. Yeah, and I mean, uh, they're optimistic. I'm a realist. I'm not an, I'm <laughs> also an optimist, but they're, 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 they're um, yeah, just got their head in the sand. I mean, I said it uh, at the meeting. I said, what if this happens? And, mm. oh, yeah, but yeah, now it's a bubble. Things are different. I said, it's not different. It's still going to have to quarantine uh, and if the there is a case and, and the government of that particular country or state, uh, like our Premier has just done, mm. and every state, did you notice, except New South Wales, every state put 14 days quarantine, anyone coming from Perth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bubble, so it the is bubble a difficult burst. time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it is a difficult time. And, and I think uh, going to New Zealand, uh, any club, even now, is, diffi- is, is ridiculous, number one, but... Uh, uh, if if it had to happen, it should have happened from one of the eastern states ones, which is only an hour and a half flight or two hour flight, uh, rather than us going eight or nine hours. It's it's bizarre to me. But anyway, yeah. uh, I, the way that the bubble is set up um, at the moment with New Zealand, um, it can travel, and uh, you know, let's hope that nothing happens uh, when, especially when Perth goes there. Yeah. Um- one other question I had: uh, What do you think of uh, your, your opponents tonight, MacArthur SC? They've, um, you know, what do you think of their season? How how they've got? Uh, look, uh, for a new team cobbled yeah. together, uh, they've done uh, well. Mm. Uh, nobody expected them to be uh, in position to fight for finals, mm. uh, including our, our our team. But they've got a, a good bunch of uh, uh, Australian players. They've got two of ours, uh, Franich, <laughs> um and uh, and uh, Meredith. Um, so two of our ex-players, uh, it'll be interesting for them to come back. But no, good good team. Uh, they've lost a couple of players through injury, so we'll be lucky tonight. Their, their best uh, centre-back, uh, uh, it, it didn't travel. Uh, so look, very good training on the track this week. The boys are hungry. I think we'll, uh, I think we'll dominate. Uh, we dominated yeah. against Wellington, lost 3-1, which is uh, something that uh, sticks in my craw. Uh, but look, we'll dominate, and this time we'll finish. Uh, we, we had four or five opportunities to bury uh, Wellington. We didn't take it. They had three breaks and got three goals. Yeah, so yeah. Well, we were very careful. Well, now. Tony, Tony, my ten-year-old boy uh, looked at the stats and and he saw how um, Macarthur uh, have only scored more than two goals in the game once this season. So they reckon get get Glory scoring three goals or more, and we're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, our problem all season's been our back, and yeah. uh, we haven't had a settled back line since. Uh, Grant, Lowry, Davison, Meredith, and all that left, right? So, um, you know, it hasn't been settled. And our um, German star uh, is now injured yeah. again, be- yeah. again because of uh, uh, lockdowns and, and not training. Then they all went out training after the three-day lockdown, and he did his groin again. Yeah. So it does affect, I think, when you're not regularly uh, training, when you're an elite athlete, it, it, anything can happen. So... That's a shame, uh, but we've got lots of youngsters, um, uh, Bodner, and we've got um, Aspro all ready and, and willing to jump in there. But we just haven't had a settled back four for over 12 months now. 
Yeah. Uh, Tony, before we let you go, just a question from one of our listeners. Uh, Alex uh, Epakis, the women's coach, uh, is he based here in WA now? So between now and when the next league starts, will he be looking at the local competition for signings for glory players for the W League for the next season? Uh, he, uh, he's he gone back to New South Wales. He'll be back, uh, I think, in uh, about a month, month and a half. And uh, he will do that. But in the meantime, um, he's got a um, couple of our community uh, coaches, uh, Michael Garcia, um, even McGarry's been involved um, uh, a little bit in, in uh, identifying some talent uh, through our community-based service. So he won't be back for another, at least another six weeks, but he'll be here at least two months before the season this time because we picked him up late last time. But look, we were very happy, um, and the girls are extremely happy, uh, and that's the most important thing, the players. And uh, if the players weren't happy uh, with uh, his direction and that, they would have uh, definitely told us. And uh, Tasha's got a very good relationship, our captain, with him, and she's worked under Bobby, um, and um, she rates him very highly. Yep. Uh, Tony, it's Neil Bennett. Um, just a quick question. I, I actually had a conversation with Alex yesterday and he mentioned that he is reaching out to the local clubs um, and also looking at uh, additional training for the for the current players as well. So I think it, it augurs well. Um, in terms of identifying those local players, is would Glory be thinking along the lines of potentially joining in with a local NPL? So you have your, your academy and the men's. Are there any thoughts or discussions within the club about doing something similar in the women's area? Um, I think we had broached it with Football West, I think it was 18 months ago, and uh, we got a firm no then. Uh, but I think you've got to hit the nail on the head. I think it's the only way that we'll have consistency and to have uh, our team... Uh, in the local. What the fear was back then is the the amount of talent that uh, we'd take out of the other teams, uh, which was a real threat then, uh, about 18 months ago. But now the, the explosion of the sport uh, for, for women uh, at that level has just been fantastic. And there's a lot more players that have put their hand up. So there's a lot more players to choose from. I did understand a couple of... Uh, it might have been two years ago... When we first put it to them, the, the talent was the, what they were worried about, that everyone would want to play for our academy team or Perth Glory. Um, and uh, you'll see that was the fear seven years ago. We allayed that fear uh, for the men's NPL team. And if you notice, we've only made one grand final in that time. So we wouldn't... The thought was we'd take all the good players and we'd dominate. But, you know, it is a youth squad, right? Our, our NPL team, main number one team. The average age would be 17, 18. Um, but playing against men and some of them professionals back in their own countries and they've come out, to, it is difficult for our young players, right? So we wouldn't dominate. And that was our argument with the women, that we wouldn't dominate. But um, uh, that's the reason why that we haven't got a team in the local competition. We'll broach it again in another 12 months' time uh, because I think that argument um, has been dissipated a little bit. Yeah, I actually agree with you on that and your timing's about right. It was just before the women's NPL competition kicked yep. in. 
But um, having a look at the women's NPL competition now, it's fairly strong, and I think getting it will get stronger with each year. And I think you're right that there's possibly some space there for Perth Glory to step into that space. I mean, the NTC competes in the competition as a, a, a youth-based group, so I'm not sure how that all kind of saddle up next to it, but. We'll see. It's a, it's good for another conversation. Yeah, I think there'll be some uh, there'll be some tensions Open there. Open to it as yeah. long as the um, football west uh, are on side. If they're not on side, we won't do it. I mean, we want a good relationship with the uh, with the body, and uh, we don't want to step on any toes. So we're not pushing, but we, we think for development um, of our um, M, uh, of our W League team, it is important down the track. Mm. Tony, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, look forward to the Shed guys being able to be in the Shed this afternoon. So yeah, keep on top of perthglory.com.au for that one, everyone, and appreciate you joining us today and enjoy the football, Tony. Yeah, I will. I'll enjoy a 3-0 win. Yeah. <laughs> good. good one. Cheers, Tony. Good luck, Tony. <laughs> See ya. That was Tony Sage, the owner of Perth Glory. Yeah, changeable. Lots of things to talk about. Of course, um, what we didn't talk about before we go to a break was um, we usually talk about the news of the week. So from you, Neil, what's your news of the week? Like what's been the most memorable football moment, the worst moment or the best moment? Um, I th- Just going back to the local game, I think the fact that we, we're back in and, and COVID, we've had that lockdown and everybody got that snap and now we're, we're back playing. I think that that's the big thing for me. Um, overseas, uh, you're looking at the fallout from the, <laughs> the from, Super League, from the Super League, and, <laughs> and just what that's going to do to the game in in all of those yep. countries. Uh, my personal opinion is that uh, every single one of those CEOs should step down um, because it was just an appalling way to treat fans, and just I don't like the way that the game is going uh, in terms of the injection of foreign ownership um, in a number of the big European clubs and even the model being run by Manchester City, I, I don't think that that's a good thing. Uh, I don't think that you bring these big oligarchs in and, and pump money in and just treat them as uh, as cash cows. Uh, it's just ruining the game. It's a similar model to what's happening here. It is, um, but I, I believe that there's there's more of a there's less money coming into it here, so I don't think that there's as big a problem. But at the moment, at the moment, yeah. yes, yes, that's right. But yeah, that would be for me. It'd be the local, the game coming back, and then obviously the the big discussions going on in in Europe. Yes, Andy, yourself. Um, well, being a Gunner fan, I think it was the uh, the Europa game where um, we went down two one to old uh, um, Unai's. Uh, New team, so you know it was good to see him back out and um, and tackling his old Arsenal side. But in that game, the two red cards from um, two yellow cards that um, were were interesting to say the least. But um, it's it's I, I was just a bit, and again, it's hard to look at it as being a fan of one of the teams. But I thought um, we're still looking at. Uh, yeah, they both got a card, red card each, but um, from the second yellow. Um, but I, I, I think we're still looking at that whole up and down refereeing of games. You know, it's it's amazing how we still don't have that consistency. Are uh, you talking about the VAR, the recording, video stuff, or are you talking about consistency of quality no, of decision making? I think decision making, and I think VAR has a bit to do with that in that referees. Um, are kind of stepping away from making 
better decisions. They they they. They're it relying seems on like, Yeah, more. it seems like you know. Oh, if I miss it, then you know VR would pick it up, and it just seems like there's been a bit of a, um, a, a not a standard drop, but more of a variance. So you still have the good ones. What does that mean for football? Takes it away from the immediacy of being able to okay, the decision's right or wrong, but get on with it and the game goes. That's right, because you've got to remember VAR is still a confirmation tool, so it's it's got to be. Um, hard against the referee's decision. So if there's any vagueness, then the referee's decision will still stand. And so there are some still limitations to VAR. It's not a, you know, it's not a fallback, really. Because Tough of, lessons in yeah, life, isn't it? I know. To accept so, things you don't but yeah, agree with. But again, you know, and, and United had a nice 6-2 win. It's good to see them scoring again, as much as I hate to say it. But, um, you know, that when you've got that talent out front, I always love teams that have... A good strike force that are ask, that are scoring goals. I really feel for strikers that can't put the ball in the net. That really, um, I do feel for them. They're, they're called defenders. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was top scorer as so a left back. Uh, defenders can score. They're, they're back there for a reason. Is because they can't score. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, it was seeing Lisa Devana be selected in mm. the Talent ID camp yes. again, yeah. and we yeah. had her on a couple of weeks. Uh, go maybe two or three weeks ago and we were talking about where she's at now and what she's hoping to get from football and um, she was a bit stum about, you know, Matildas and, and talking about that direction and, you know, hopefully it was because she was working hard and wanted to be back into that space again. So I I feel that she's a West Australian, although she hasn't played in West Australia for many years now, but I, I feel that she, I mean, she's from this area where the station is down here in Spearwood-Coburn area. Um, so she's very homegrown talent and I'd love to see her back in the squad for the only reason that she's earned it. Yeah. And you look at her... her um input in the final too she wasn't a number she's still very effective on that absolutely yep absolutely right team we're going to go to break and come back and chat more football with ryan lenigan from football west this is pen andy and neil on the world football program stay tuned you're listening to radio fremantle 107.9 Lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au. Please don't fence me in. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Oh, amazing touch. Spectacular. Time the cross. The towering header. The keeper's out. The net's open. Some people can't hide their passion. 
Don't hide yours. Join our team. Welcome back to the World Football Program, 107.9 FM. We have a Facebook page, the World Football Program, and we have a website where you can listen to all the shows, theworldfootballprogram.com.au with a double M-E, very Australian, very English. You've got Penn, Andy and Neil in the studio talking football for the next hour and a bit-ish, and we are welcoming Ryan Lennigan from Football West, the participation manager. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Penny, Neil and Andy. Great to join you. Um, it's a lovely Saturday day with, uh, without a lockdown. It's always a good start to a uh, weekend. It is super awesome. And let's remind everybody that they are allowed to be out and about playing football and mums and dads are allowed to be out and about watching their kids and families play football. So it's uh, almost normal. Uh, masks and hand sanitizers and social distancing is always in the play there at the moment. It's part of the new norm, but uh, football is back on. And Perth Glory game right smack bang in the middle of a Saturday of everything else football. It's going to be a busy day today, Ryan. Certainly well, Great interview with Tony as well. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how that new time time slot goes for them, but uh, all the very best to the, the boys down at HBF Park. Yeah, absolutely, and if you happen to be watching your family play football out on the grass elsewhere, not at the HBF Park Stadium, then um, yeah, get your digital device, put it in your back pocket, listen to things. I think a lot of people must do that these days. I know when I'm out and about, I have a device somewhere and I'm listening to something while I'm doing something else. It's multitasking to the max, isn't it? You can do it with football. It's great. <laughs> I, ho- I hope your daughter's listening to that. You hear that, Rose? You're, no, she, she's still asleep. Getting... Yeah, right, Andy, okay, she's still okay, asleep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's adolescence kicking in. Yeah, but... Um, when it comes to football, like training and playing games, Andy, she's um, she's a might to be reckoned with. Yes. <laughs> okay, Ryan, on to Football West. Uh, oh, congratulations to uh, another two board members into the Football West board fold there in David Buckingham and Ivy Chen and Sheriff Andraus being re-elected as the chair. So well done there. It's great to see good people come on board to support football in WA. I think we've got some really massive years coming up with State Football Centre, with mm. Women's World Cup, and to have the uh, the calibre of uh, David and Ivy coming on board just shows that uh, the sport's in a great position within the state. Yeah, absolutely. People want to be on board for whatever's happening. What is the progress on the State Football Centre? Is there a shovel in the dirt anywhere yet, Ryan? Not just yet, but it can't be far away. Um, yeah. I think that... Uh, uh, week, weeks like we've just had probably don't help um, in terms of getting that first shovel into the ground. Um, but we know that uh, it's getting closer and closer and the, the guys at the, the office and all our stakeholders are getting very excited to um, to have that first dirt turned. I'm sure your um, people at Football West are getting way more excited than us out here in the community because we're not seeing the dirt getting turned over yet, mate. There's probably a lot happening in the office, uh, all of the policies and architectural designs and all that stuff is probably going flat tack but out here we were going come on when's the soil going to get turned over when's the first brick going to get put down when are we going to see this actual state football centre happen I'd imagine it's similar to my uh, handyman skills around the house here which is that uh, you measure (laughs) twice so you can just cut once so uh, it's certainly not an area of expertise for me, um, as my uh, as my wife would tell you. Um, but uh, I'm sure that it's in very good hands, and 
the uh, and the, it will the actually driving happen. Will make. That's exactly right. We know we know that's the case. The glass half full. That's exactly where we are. Yep. So it has been a bit of a challenging week. Um, last weekend's fixtures uh, were postponed, and new sets of uh, fixtures have been designed, and all the dates are out now, so you can catch them on footballwest.com.au. Um, so that meant there'll be a probably a midweek round of well, everything really at, at some point coming up over the next couple of months. And fingers crossed that that doesn't happen too many times through the season because it's going to be a very packed second part of the season and maybe delay the end of the season into, I don't know, maybe October. Well, this, uh, they say a, a week's a long time in football regardless, but when you uh, when you have a, a week in football with lockdown, um, it's, uh, it, it has been difficult. But uh, full credit to the competitions team um, working at, uh, at Football West headquarters, they uh, they they burnt the candle uh, across the weekend just to make sure that we were ready to go, um, and uh, we are very excited to have fixtures back up and running uh, from today. Um, we had a couple of scenarios in place in case we lost more than uh, one week. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, we don't have to put those in place because, as you said, it is a packed schedule. Um, but uh, we appreciate all the assistance and the compromises that our our clubs across the metro and in the Peel uh, made sure that they they came on board to assist us with. Yeah. So, so Ryan, with um, so with that, with the, you talk about how how you're supporting the clubs. Do you you guys get support um, in, in terms of COVID lockdown and restrictions? Are are you just reading the news as much as we are, or um, is the state um, actually coming to some of the governing bodies and and uh, talking to them? I think we're very lucky. We do have great support from the state government and, um, and I guess, the, the sport department that looks after um, uh, sport in WA, which is the Department of Local Government, Sport and Cultural Industries. They make sure that they're passing on um, pertinent updates. But effectively, as you would have seen, um, the, the general public is receiving the information at about the same time that we are as a state sporting body too, which means that a lot of our work goes into the pre-planning, just making sure that those scenarios, whatever happens, are in place. Um, uh, and again, it's probably times when our backs are up against the wall that the camaraderie and the support from our clubs is, is most prevalent. I think we've been so lucky that they understand that we're trying to do our best. Um, yeah, sure, some of the fixtures at, at times are, are going to be messy, they're going to be packed, um, but they understand that we're trying to do our best in a very tricky situation. And then you you forward all the all the uh, ab- abusive emails you get onto the state government. To say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you, I'm sure you, you you say how supportive the club's been. I'm sure there's a there's a bad side of that. As Ryan's well. staying very so, very quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, it's you know it's 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 such, it's so hard for everyone, and and everyone's got to realise that there's not you know nothing at fault. We we just have to get through it. Yep. Yeah. There is no easy fix, but uh, again, if everybody can just keep in mind that um, you know we, we're in the lucky position that we effectively got a full season up and running last year. That at this stage we're looking at like getting the, the same thing out of 2021. Um, there are so many states across Australia that haven't had that opportunity, and there's plenty of places in the world that, that don't have the, uh, the the luxury of, of playing football. So if we look if we look at it as a glass half full, um, we are so lucky to be out there and um, let the let the rivalries and the competition kick in on the pitch. <laughs> and the problem was, um, I, I think even Tony, he did, Tony did mention that uh, earlier too about the 
the lockdowns that happen now and then and, and disruptive to training and, and causing or not helping um, injuries to uh, stay away. So that's, that's the problem as well, yeah, as well as getting the games played, is maintaining um, the, the player involvement and, and making sh uh, trying to eliminate all those fixtures that, that seem to be popping up over the last uh, year as well. I think certainly that that top end too. I mean, um, you have to be you have to be very careful of player welfare. Yeah. I think that for us, with the the, the week lost in fixtures, it's something that um, you know people could still get out and exercise, albeit they they weren't in groups at that time. Um, anything more than about a week, though, we have to be very conscious. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about high level athletes across those top tiers of football in WA, and if it's a two three week lockdown, the last thing you want to be doing is bringing fixtures back on a, on a snap. Um, and um, and then eventually seeing those injuries that can take people out of the game. Yeah, all, all all the all the senior guys in our club. As soon as we had a week of no fixtures, they all jumped and up and down and and uh, yeah, made sure they uh, were stocked up at home. Yeah, stocked up at home in what way was that, Andy? I'm not saying the that. fitness equipment. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, fitness equipment. <laughs> That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> hey, hey, Ryan, fill us in with how. Clubs are going across the community in Western Australia. Uh, uh, is everyone surviving? Is everyone getting support? Has there been clubs that are struggling? Has there been clubs that have simply shut their doors because COVID has been too difficult or financially they haven't made it through? Give us some feedback there. Certainly we're, we're not getting that impression uh, from a Football West perspective, Penny. We, um, we, we've had some great numbers coming through in 2021. To give you some context, you know, we, we, we are looking at the best um, registered numbers um, for Football West members since uh, 2018 for the 2021 season, which when you consider the, uh, the, the effect that, uh, that last year um, had on um, the state sporting landscape, very lucky. Uh, certainly any club will have ups and downs, um, but again, from a, from a general perspective across the board, we've got some really strong numbers um, and we're looking forward to uh, that contributing some, to some very good football on, on pitch. And so, we, well, we, well, we, throw numbers at us. Yeah. Give us comparisons. Well, I mean, purely just based on last year. Uh, and again, you'd always expect that it would be would be higher in a, in a COVID decimated year, but we're about 65% up on registrations from wow. last year. Um, and, and certainly we are tracking to have uh, our strongest year in, say, the last five years uh, across all demographics, from juniors through to seniors, men, women. Um, it's it, it's a good sign for the sport across the board that uh, we've bounced back so quickly from a really tough year. Sorry, just uh, expand on that because I think it's really useful that uh, our listeners know about that. Give us some contributing factors as to why this year it would be up by 65%. I think that there was probably a lot of uncertainty in the community last year. And it might have meant that at the time, People felt like they, uh, they they might have had a year off, um, or they might have decided to uh, to play more social forms of the the game or whatever else. Um, but the really the really positive thing is is that they're coming back to the game in droves in 2021. So then the 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 onus and responsibility on us is to make sure that not only are we um, putting in place uh, fixtures and competitions for the traditional membership, but that we're also bringing people into the game with that non-traditional side of the game as well. So. Uh, yeah, again, for us, I, I think you contribute that, that significant growth in 2020 to the fact that, uh, that we've been really proactive in our messaging. Our clubs have been brilliant and have been on the front foot and making sure that, uh, that their club packages have, have got out on time. 
And I just generally think that the uh, WA community is very keen to get back to sport because it, it holistically provides us um, an opportunity to, to reconnect. Um, yep. Even though we had a really lucky year in 2020, there was still that, that cloud of COVID hanging over us. And, uh, and I think that uh, for this year, people were keen to get back out and give back to their sporting community. I saw um, on the participation front in, in our club, um, we're getting a, a lot of interest um, for players that we lost to the AFLW. Um, so a lot of women are now inquiring or have already joined us um, with the whole injury front. So their concerns over concussions and the concerns ah. about all the knees and ankles, and we're starting to see them come back. So whilst we lost them, we had a, a big dent in our, our club a few years ago. Um, it's look it's looking like they're starting to come back now. Um, and you relocated to a bigger venue, didn't yeah. you? So you got a greater capacity to take numbers and yeah. increase teams. That's right. Fantastic. Yeah. So so that's something that's been good for our participation uh, too, Ryan. And and certainly in the junior space, it's uh, it's crazy. I I don't. I think what's happened there is schools have come on board. So. Um, they're encouraged. It's still one of the main sports that's played in schools, and one kid will talk about how they joined the club, and then before you know it, they've brought along two or three, and then they've brought along another two or three, and um, the, the schools have have been a, a big factor for for our growth. Schools are an integral part of the growth of, of any game, but I think that the sport is so lucky that it's a global game. It's uh, it's easy to understand. Um, people uh, feel that real affinity towards uh, to playing and supporting uh, football. And uh, and we're seeing the same thing from our end. Our school programs are, are going absolutely gangbusters. And we, we couldn't be more happy with the numbers coming through those those programs. And then going on to, to play the, uh, the sport further in, um, uh, in a club-based sense as well. Ryan, uh, Neil Bennett uh, from Northern Redbacks. Um, it's almost a two-edged sword, though, isn't it? When you get these increase in numbers, is the facilities then start to come into play, don't they? Um, certainly the, the situation that we're facing um, at our club is that we simply have run out of space um, trying to bring players in. Um, we've no longer got the capacity to, to in, increase and to expand on that area. Is that something that Football West are concerned about. I mean, you hear stories, North Perth, for example, um, is basically being taught, turned into a dog track now. Um, the local council there seem to be very anti-football. There is also the issues with uh, Florida Athena as well. Is this something that concerns you guys at all? Earlier this year, um, prior to the state election, Football West undertook statewide facility audits. Uh, and a key reasoning uh, for that, Neil, is to establish specifically across the board, where our facilities uh, currently sit in terms of their quality, in terms of their quantity, in terms of those, uh, I, I guess you'd call them more strategic pieces that we want to keep in mind, things like um, having female-friendly change rooms. Mm -hmm. The release of that state facility uh, audit in conjunction with our local government um, uh, is, is a really key part of making sure that the voices of football are being heard at that level, um, you know, the clubs that own their own facilities and are responsible for own upgrades, that's fantastic. But realistically, there are not so many clubs that find themselves in that position. Many are beholden to their local governments or beholden to the shared stakeholders if they've only got access to the, to the fields and to the, um, to the clubhouse for six months a year. So for us, making sure 
that we are you know, effectively pounding on the drum uh, at a local government level, at a state government level, is integral for the game to make sure that the facilities keep up with the demand and growth of the sports scene. Can I ask, um, there's been quite a few fixture changes across uh, junior levels, not to do with uh, lockdowns. Um, why do you, th- do you think that is? And is it any different to other leagues? Junior fixtures are always really tough regardless of, of which sport or which discipline of the sport that it is many. And I think part of that is because uh, unlike, say, a, a senior team where those guys or girls can stay together and, and, and you'd feel fairly confident as a club administrator that they're going to stay together because they've had a great year, juniors are a, a little bit more of a fickle beast, which means that a club is, is effectively predicting uh, how many people they'll get in a particular age group um, at the time that those fixtures have been built out, um, they may or may not see those numbers coming through. And you kind of touched on it before. Much of it's due to the fact that a kid might be at school and say, oh, you know, I've, um, I've been playing football, you know, I've got all my mates along, we're having a great time. Um, but then suddenly someone changes schools or someone changes clubs and, and kids want to play with their mates. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as we keep them in the sport. That's, that's the most important outcome for us. Um, but it is just one of those um, consequences of the beasts of junior sport. We are going to see uh, late changes to fixtures. We do appreciate the patience that's shown by our clubs, um, but uh, certainly from Football West End, we'd love to probably sharpen up those first couple of weeks so we don't have as many buyers for kids who are excited to, to take the field. Yeah. When you, when you figure that out... Um, I don't, no, I don't think you want to figure that out. I, <laughs> I just think that's just like you say, it's just part of the beast. It just seems in the last couple of years, I feel there's been so many fixture changes and I understand last year with COVID. But, uh, and, and yes, you're right, there's a lot of things that affect kids and their motivation to play sport and, then, and therefore the clubs and they're getting their players together and that knocks on to you guys. But it just seems to be the last couple of years, there seems to be quite a lot of those fixture changes more than what mm. I can remember from before. Another another disturbing trend, and I don't know whether you'd be able to comment on this, Ryan, at all, is that there does seem to be a greater deal of movement uh, from players to other clubs uh, once registrations have been taken in and uh, they're bedded down and they're training, then all of a sudden they're up in sticks and moving away. Um, is there anything that the clubs can do to sort of combat that? Because you do put an awful lot of time, effort and energy into some of these players and then to see them just walk away because somebody along the line has said, oh, there's a spot for you in a higher league, uh, uh, you know, and, and we'd like you there. I mean, I know that that's, that's a personal choice, but do we have any regulations about this sort of stuff? And also, just on what you're saying there, do you think that's because now there's a women's NPL come in and the pathways are a little bit more significant for players, so the influence of others around them and on their ambitions and career is it maybe a little bit more stronger than it used to be that that could be part of it but I, i'm just wondering from football west point of view you know what what your thoughts are are on that we we try to foster uh, a sense of loyalty and and belonging to a club but it, it seems as if uh, particularly in the female game where if one player leaves then she takes three or four with her. Um, it is very hard to combat that, and that may be a cause for some of the, the the sort of things you're seeing in the juniors. But it's also filtering up into the uh, into the adult leagues as well. It's a really good question, um, and I would say that it doesn't just affect football. This is something that uh, across the board um, choice is paramount for parents and for, for the kids. So 
when you look at junior sport, regardless of the discipline, regardless of the sport, there is going to be a degree of transition that happens more often at the junior level than uh, at the senior level. Um, that, that's just something that we'll have to naturally get used to. It may potentially be exacerbated in things like um, the development, uh, the very early pioneering days of a, a development pathway like we're seeing for female football. There is emerging clubs who are very keen to establish that pathway, which would mean that the juniors might be more enticed by that. But what I would say is that a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of our clubs are in a great position to hold on to their players because they have multiple teams across multiple pathway options. Um, I would certainly recommend our club rep- representatives uh, head a- across to one of our new resources that we've introduced at the Football Web- uh, West website, which is our clubhouse. It provides uh, some additional resources across areas such as uh, governance and promotion and marketing of the game. Um, these free templates are available for all our clubs and it will assist in perhaps um, putting in place some reinforcement around um, uh, keeping those junior numbers uh, I, or senior numbers uh, as well. I, I saw that. I've, I've actually hit that um, page um, already and uh, I think that's a fans- fantastic resource and really really uh appreciate that because um it's something that that um we and i'm sure all clubs do kind of put that together each year ourselves and and pick up links from all all, uh, all around to put that together at a club level but it was great to to see that um in the one page on the football west site so well, well done that's great 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 to hear that you're enjoying it. i would um, certainly recommend any of our club representatives heading along to there because ultimately uh the sport and football west is only as strong as our clubs so the more that we can support their growth and their improvement um the, the better for um, everyone involved in the sport on that is there a club directory in that space uh just thinking about some of the feedback i've had from clubs that fixture changes has meant that you need to totally be on top of contact any other club before kickoff, and how do they go about that? Yeah, that's an interesting one, Penny. There, there wouldn't be a, a directory as such, um, and certainly would be worth some exploring. I think that uh, we just have to be conscious of uh, of privacy. Um, you know, we're very very conscious that um, volunteers uh, at a club level are putting their hand up to do a job, and um, you know, we, we don't want to be um, pushing out publicly their details if they don't wish that that to be the case um but certainly would be worth them exploring from a general perspective so i'll I'll make sure i take a note and um see what uh the guys say but uh it has been a really successful launch of the uh the clubhouse that's uh that's one of our main factors behind the building stronger clubs and it would also be worth mentioning at this time that we currently have our uh building stronger uh, clubs grants open um Please, uh, if you're a club representative and you uh, have a project uh, that you think that um, some grant money would, would be beneficial in going towards, please head along to the Football Web West website and check out the Building Stronger Clubs Grant Hub. So how, uh, it, in terms of um, your other peers in the other states, uh, do you... Um, do you deal with them? Do you, do you know how other states are travelling along at all, Ron, or...? Or not? We certainly uh, we we have both in, informal and formal ties uh, to our other member federations. Um, if you take, for example, something like the clubhouse uh, that was built out in conjunction with our with our ties to some other states that are doing things well in in really good spots, 
Um, I, when you when you talk more from a, a participation um, strategic direction piece, um, we are lucky that uh, that uh, the, the the national body makes sure that we, we have opportunities to discuss those uh, those longer term strategic directions and making sure that we're putting in place um, uh, uh, programs that uh, align to the direction that they want to be taking the sport as well. Ryan, before we let you go, we'll just uh, give a little bit of a, a, a wrap that all the competitions are back on board this weekend. You can go to footballwest.com.au or the NPL page. Off the top of my head, I have a mental blank as to what the uh, website address is for that, but um, the, it's the NPL page where you can get all of the states and everyone's scrambling in the studio. You get it? Good job, guys. <laughs> um, all the NPL competitions are, are running through the weekend with the men's and the women's. Um, and on the Football West uh, Facebook page, uh, I'm happy to see that on a Friday, all the fixtures and live streams and tables and uh, top goal scorers are, are now running um, fluently, which is fantastic. So footballwest.com uh, or Football West Facebook page is the one that you should go on to and we share it to our world football pages as well. So sitting on top of the NPL men's table is Furry Athena and we're going into round, round six or round seven this weekend. Uh, I think it's round, round six. Round seven. Round seven, um, okay. Given that uh, round six, because of COVID, has been, been postponed. Right. So yep. uh, that, that will be played uh, a little later in the year, but we are into round seven for... Uh, NPL. Yep, I did a little bit of a, a review across the NPL under 20s and the uh, men's NPL table, and the top six of the men's NPL is pretty similar to the NPL under 20s. And I did a same review of the NPL women's. So Balcata, Fremantle, Redbacks, and Mum are sitting on the top four for the NPL women's, and the under 23s for the women's is Fremantle, Balcata. Perth Soccer Club and Mum FC. So that was interesting. You'd kind of hope that the strong clubs sitting at the tops of the table have a underpinning strong youth system as well. We want to see that through the 23s, 20s, 18s and so forth. So eventually that'll be the perfect system where everybody sitting on top of the league will have their underpinning clubs also sitting on top of their youth leagues. Isn't that right, Ryan? <laughs> That's exactly what we want to see, right? Is that uh, the clubs that are putting resources, time, and effort into their youth setups are the same ones that are reaping the rewards at a senior level. So, yep. um, uh, it, it is admittedly still early on in the season, Benny. We'll, yep. uh, we'll, we'll touch base uh, <laughs> later in the season and see if that is still the case. Yep. Um, but, but certainly to start with, that's a really good sign, a really positive sign that. Uh, you know, those those youngsters are coming through at a club level and hopefully staying at that club as well and, um, and bringing them success. Yep. Brian, thanks very much for joining us. Enjoy your weekend and soak up the sunshine, young man. Appreciate it, guys. Fantastic to have football back. All the very best for the day. Good on you. Thanks, See you, Ryan. Ryan. Cheers. Bye. That was Ryan Lennigan, the Football West Participation Manager. Lots of things to talk about there and lots of football happening. And, man, it's an absolutely packed day of football today. Guys, we're good. Going to go to a break and come back and have a chat with Stace Ioannidis, who is the CEO of Soccer Scene. This is Penn, Andy and Neil in the studio, back talking football very shortly. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With 
four great locations around Perth. We have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Hi, I'm Penny Tanner-Hoth. It's season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia, morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed, but the content, filled with passion, news, characters and history, has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers, and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website, the World Football Program. Welcome back to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Catch us on Facebook or you can listen to the podcast on the worldfootballprogram.com.au website. You've got Andy Arena. Myself, Penny Tanner-Hoth, Neil Bennett, and online, Stacey Ioannidis. Good morning, or good afternoon, actually, Stacey. How are you going there? Good morning to everyone, and good morning to your viewers. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Beautiful sunshine day in Melbourne. And uh, how are things panning out there in Melbourne with the football season this year? Look, it's quite interesting um, at the moment. There's a lot of... Uh, demand in the grassroots we're seeing here. So um, as we last spoke, just touching on, participational rates have uh, gone up again and as well, um, we're just seeing people get out onto the local football grounds and, yeah, go watch the domestic game. Yeah, we were talking about that with the participation manager from Football West just before yourself and he was saying that they're expecting to be about a 65% increase on last year's figures now, given last year's figures would have been down, I can't remember what they were. Is it anyone in the studio know what the figures were oh. down last year? I think they're down like about thirty percent, something yeah, like that. They were, they were down a lot, yeah. Yeah. So if they went up to about you know the twenty nineteen levels, I would have been pretty happy with that. But he's said that mm. they're kind of racing beyond that, which is pretty amazing. Uh, are you seeing that kind of uptake over there? Do you reckon? <laughs> Correct. So we are seeing that kind of uptake at the moment, and yeah, the demand is just increasing. And look, of course, we're, we're facing its challenges: not enough grounds, not enough facilities um, to just cater for that. But also, uh, interesting is uh, the uptake in women's football. Um, going off the bat of the uh, recently announced Women's World Cup, so yeah, we've just seen a lot of grassroots growth all all round at the moment. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's in the air at the moment, but it is a very positive uh, outlook for the game going into the future. I like what Ryan said about people wanting to reconnect, and here in West Australia anyway, we've been pretty super lucky, and um, it has been a bit of 2020 was a, a, a very strange year of um, 
being in lockdown, not being in lockdown, not being able to do the things that we normally do. So here we are being able to do, here in WA anyway, the things that we normally do. And um, people, people are taking that up and relishing the fact that we can do it. And I certainly feel that way. I want to get out there and connect. I want to be out there and do the things that I normally do with a passion and share that with other people. So if, if I'm feeling that way and there's you know thousands of other people feeling that way, then that equals an uptake in everything, really. I suppose not just football, other sports too. Correct. We're, we're seeing it from a social aspect as well around you know my club, Hyderabad United. So you know we've got our Thursday nights, which is our social night. So every week we try to theme it out. Like last week was uh, you know. Uh, fish and chip night and the week before was uh, Slovaki night then we've got a burger night and we're just seeing the numbers coming through people wanting to connect people wanting to bond um, you know an, an array of people from juniors you know mini roos all the way to senior men's and women so I just yeah it, it's it's been you know quite funny I think people are, are, are wanting to reconnect with people out there um, and, and just going through traditional means um, which is quite pleasant to see. I like what you said about the fish and chip nights and the two clubs representatives that I've got in the studio here, Northern Redbacks and, and Vic Parks, are, are quite different spaces there. Andy, in Vic Park, do you have a, a space where you can have a fish and chip night? Yes, we do. So th- <laughs> Thursday, nights, Thursday nights is our, uh, is our um, food and, and chat night. It's, um, it's where we, we get the whole club uh, together as much as we can. Um, so it's something that we we do try and promote, and and the players love it, um, you know. And it's a good opportunity for um, a lot of the um, um, men and women to interact, also because we've uh, we do have separate we have separated them this year um, in training, so they do mix less than they have done in, in previous years. That's only through moving grounds so do you, do you um, still have both grounds we do this year so we're still doing that transitional move at the moment gotcha. training but mainly because of lights um we're hoping to get our lights sorted next year but at the moment we're just needing it for for uh lighting really. so, so moving forward are you going to be maintaining both of those grounds no, no, okay no 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 so we're only and we only play at the new harold rossler yeah but yeah fish and chip nights very important i think <laughs> uh, what about you, Neil? <laughs> um, well, unfortunately, we've outgrown our club room. Um, so as a women's only club, Stacey, the, the chances of us pulling all of the, the teams together is non-existent now because there's simply not enough space for us. And that moves me on to a question, and you touched on that, um, about facilities. There have been a number of stories coming out from some Victorian councils who seem to have adopted an anti football stance in terms of releasing grounds is that is that something that is becoming an issue in victoria we don't tend to have that here in the west but it seems to be rearing its head and it's mainly a by the looks of things an afl stance against the growth of the football code is that is that something that you think is is common now look i I certainly wouldn't say it's common because we are seeing uh in recent times now there's been a lot of grants issued towards the world game um, what we're seeing is not enough money being allocated for football. Um, if you look at between football and Aussie rules, um, certainly there was uh, in the press this week. Essendon Royals um, had, you know, voiced a bit of uh, a bit of concerns of what's happening. Um, but look, you know what? I think this is an issue that's stemming. Um, 
stemming really from cultural, from our politicians or councillors, I should say, not having an understanding what the world game means for their municipality. Uh, and I think uh, that's where, you know, if I, I, I try to unpack it myself and say, where are we failing? Um, and I think uh, where we're failing to canvas these councillors to understand the, the globalisational network that they access in mm. by, you know, uh, by giving more growth to the game, the world game in their municipality. So, uh, you know, saying, I think that's where we're failing. I think that the, the, our councillors are failing to understand that vision, but we're also failing to educate them as well along that journey uh, to buy in. So, yeah, the, look, there is a bit of that happening at the moment. The majority isn't. Um, I mean, my club, Heidelberg United, um, has got about $9.5 million from state and the council or city of Banyul, wow. um, which is the municipality they're in, um, and there's more to go. Um, which they're currently uh, applying for more funding with the yeah, with recent uh, funding allocations from the federal government as well, because wow. um, it is already shoveled project. So um, yeah, uh, it's that's fantastic. It's not sure what's happening out in the west, um, but yeah. Well, there's been a lot of promises out this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's some big money being discussed, but uh, the actual eventualities are not being realised just yet. But that's yeah. interesting. Um, and certainly, you know, the, with the female, and you touched on that, the, the, the growth in female football um, has been phenomenal over the last few years and is only going to continue as well. Um, in terms of uh, just moving forward and, and looking at um, the national game and the national coverage and things like that, and we've got the FA, we've got the FA Cup, um, and we have the men's NPL teams competing against each other as well at the end of the season. Do you think that that's something that uh, the the female game should be looking at as well down the track, so that to encourage players into the game, there are limited opportunities. The W League is a very small league, but if you provide the next tier down with the same sort of opportunities, where there could be interstate travel, we we could see even more growth. Is that something that you, you think could happen? Look, that, that, that is a possibility, right? But we need to understand, we need to get things right first with the A-League um, and then obviously in, implement that second division and learn from those teething issues to get to the women's stuff. So, look, that is... Uh, the more placement, it's a lot better for our production line. Um, you know, if you can't offer that placement, well, you know we're actually failing, um, you know, as a, as a game. So, look, that needs to be looked at in the years to come, probably after the bat of the Women's World Cup, I would suggest. Um, but we'll also need to get the National Second Division up and running as well to learn from those mistakes and how can we better it for the women. So uh, there, there is a lot of challenges lying ahead for us. In terms of that, that Second Division then, I mean, what would be your... Your vision is it that every state would have a team, or is it going to be just the ones that are really financial and can afford it? Because we all know that the tyranny of distance here in this country makes it very, very difficult to fly east to west, for example. But correct for a true second division, it needs to be national. Correct. It almost sounds like you were describing the Super League scenario. Then, <laughs> <laughs> no, look, definitely, and look, it needs to be national. Uh, to a point, and then it can go into conference. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, for those logistic reasons, right? Yeah. So yeah. we could have, a, theoretically, a, a second division that's national and our third division can be for the conferences, right? But we, what, we must understand that we've got to showcase our best clubs mm. out there. Um, and not every club is at the same capacity. So we need to, to showcase the best out there to demonstrate that we can do this. I think that's the most vital thing um, at the moment. Um, look, who knows what it's going to look like. There is a couple of models that have been thrown up in the air. Um, one is what we've existingly got with the NPL, how they go into a playoff. To me, that's not a true national second division. A true national second division is a, a standalone league that will ultimately reward those who put the hard yards in and then um, obviously not reward or... Uh, punish those who haven't who've been complacent all year. So that promotion relegation, um, I do think that we need to have even a third tier that goes into conferences and that feeds in. Um, and that way we capture and have got a lot more placements out there. But in saying that, it's not just the second division. Even the youth league needs to be looked at as well. Um, and I've probably touched base on this as well um, in the past that we do need to look at what we did in the past with the National Youth League or the NSL Youth League, that worked quite successful. That had all these greats come through from the golden generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, our system is failing us. Um, we do have an opportunity and chance to to tweak it and fix it right up. We just need the uh, the FFA to buy an airline and uh, you know, travel. <laughs> <laughs> then travel won't be such an issue. And a broadcasting station of some kind. Yes. Yeah. How, how is broadcasting over in Victoria? Is um, you know, do is 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 soccer still prevalent on the TV? Can free to air or you know, local games getting broadcast? Look, what we're seeing at the moment is from the NPL perspective, from all the way NPL to NPL three here in Victoria, um, they are broadcasting on YouTube. Um, for the Football Victoria channel, mm-hmm. uh, we're seeing you know a phenomenal amount of growth. Um, of uh, there was a, one game in particular that had about fifteen thousand people view it. Oh, wow. um, just and that was in NPL three. Wow! Right, so we're, we're getting you know phenomenal growth numbers. Um, in terms of the A League, no numbers have been released, so we we don't know what's What's the story with it? Um, I think that's the story, that there's nothing being released. Mm. Yeah, and look, it, and that's scary um, that nothing is being released. Um, but look, yeah, we, we've seen a decline from the News Corp. Um, you know, uh, with the game at the moment, it's they're not really doing what they were doing. Um, and look, that's probably, again, in discussion with the APL and News Corp or now coming to Tendo as well. Um, you know, from what we've been told, there's about four or five competitors out there who want to take on the rights, and that's in streaming services. Um, but look, ultimately, at the end of the day, um, again, what will happen is we'll see uh, what's best viable for the league. Um, you know, there's people been calling for the league to go winter, but that, again, that will equate to viewership loss whereas in the summer you'll monopolise that viewership. So, um, you know, going off the discussions I've had with the, with the APL directors as well, I think, you know, they will do what's best for the league. Uh, in terms of the NPL stuff, I'm seeing you know, the NPL 
stuff really increase at the moment, so, which is good. So there's a lot of growth out there at the moment. I think that um, you've identified some really important things that we should think about there. When Simon Hill used to come on the program when he was part of Fox, one of the things that he was really strong about was that we should be able to get bums on seats. If you're a true football fan, don't forget he's coming from an English back background, so it was all about you get your ticket, you go to the game, that's it's in your blood, that's what you do. Here Correct. in Australia, it's different. So... I mean, the tyranny of distance for a starter, um, you know, how do you get to games, um, you know, home and away, home yes, away maybe not, Wellington, Perth, you know, <laughs> it's a bit far to get to the fans. Um, but he was saying we need to work out some way that we can get bums on seats and fill stadiums, therefore we'll get broadcasters want to knock their socks off um, to broadcast the game because they know it's got the support. Now, AFL fill the stadiums. So they fill the stadiums. Why can't our game fill the stadiums? But you're saying uh, stream. I mean, we've talked about the streaming over the last couple of years. The numbers have been pretty good here when it kicked in with uh, Football West here in Western Australia. That's um, not so great with Fox uh, with the figures. Um, I mean, what do we do to change that? Because we're talking about numbers aren't at the stadiums here, and COVID has been a large factor about that. Let's let's be you know clear about that. But we're not also getting broadcasting numbers for our national leagues. So what are we not mm. doing right? What can we do to fix it? Mm. But that's, but that's um, I'm, I'm Victorian. I, um, I remember the footy days where you didn't go to to watch your, uh, your team. You actually had a day of it. You left in the morning, you saw the Colts, you saw the reserves, you saw the, um, the uh, AFL, uh, VFL back then. But... Um, and so, it, but it was a day, you know. It was it was that, and um, it wasn't you going to watch the game. You're you're going to the footy, and the footy meant you were eating your meat pies. It meant you were out kicking the ball at, between games or at halftime. It meant uh, you were roaming the uh, the the hill. You know, it it, uh, it was it was actually an event. Um, it was a day out. Whereas now we're we're so time poor, um, we we try and get people. Checking in, checking out, and see you later. Bye. You know. Do you know what? On that, I reckon you're right. What you've said is kind of a culture and maybe a tradition that's changed with lifestyles and and time management. So, if we increase the facilities, that the all the promises come mm. true here mm. for Western Australia, and the clubs have male female change rooms, they have a space to congregate to eat their fish and chips and just to be, men and women can be in the same space and talk about it, then that's also creating a culture. And that's probably a new culture because a lot of these older spaces, I'm talking about here in Western Australia anyway, Stacey, it's about the sharing of the same spaces, one in, one out kind of thing in a lot of the spaces. Not uh, all everyone can occupy the same kind of facility at the same time, which means that you don't get the engagement and connection. So if we can provide spaces by all these government promises to increase facilities and upgrade them so that we can all occupy these spaces at the same time, you're going to get more people not just enjoying the sport with grass, uh, you know, feet on the grass. It's a, afterward they'll go and have a beer or a pie or whatever in those spaces. That's what we need to create. I, I think correct, that's correct. absent. That's just my spiel anyway. <laughs> well, look, and just, touching, and just touching on that, and you're quite correct. You know, at the end of the day, there, there's been a massive disconnection between the top and the bottom, mm. between A-League and grassroots. Massive disconnection. The A-League is a, a pure entertainment model. It, it's work on entertainment, putting bums on seats. Yeah. 
right? But we've got to understand and unpack it that we need to go back to foundation. Our foundation is having having better facilities that can cater for men and women, planting the, the seed, the idea in the, in the mind, and letting it grow and prosper to actually have genuine football fans come through. Uh, and if we can connect those tiers together, then we've got a very good flourish system. At the moment, our system is it's just disconnected. It, it, apart from the um, the FFA Cup, it, it just doesn't have any. It doesn't play any relevance at the moment, yeah. uh, and that's why we're seeing this this problem. And we 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 have that disconnect. Um, what was it two three years ago where we had Sorrento make it to the sixteen or the eight even maybe the sixteen mm-hmm. of the FFA and. Um, but Fox wanted to broadcast it, which meant they had to play at the only stadium we had at the time yeah. that had the mm. Lux lighting uh, levels, Correct. and they had to it wasn't raise user friendly for yeah. crowds, and no. they had to raise fifteen thousand dollars to to rent it all out. And, yep. you know, so we're not encouraging. Uh, we don't have a um, a process to to allow that connection um, uh, from the top and and grassroots at the moment, and it certainly needs fixing. And before we let you go, Sassy, something you said earlier kind of bugged me a little bit too. We were talking about um, how the councils are not particularly friendly towards our code, but they are to Mm -hmm. maybe AFL. And I I think that um, if you're on a council, you should be open to anyone, not biased. Correct. uh, Yeah, so that, that just kind of bugged me a little bit that, that you put that in the conversation. I know that it just might be so. I, I get that. But it's, um, yeah, it, it should be anybody that is on the council, it, whatever is is fair and providing opportunities for their local community should just be so. Correct. So if that's not happening, then, yeah, yeah, the sports and the community is oh, not look, able. And, and just touching on that, look, and I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. Uh, you know, councils are there to provide facilities for the community. It shouldn't be biased for one sport to uh, overweight the other sport. It doesn't work that way. Um, you need to provide, you know, equal opportunity uh, for the community and you know for the residents, right? I just believe that our councillors at the moment there is a culture of not understanding the world game, um, what it means uh, from a business point of view, um, what it means, the opportunities that it creates, the jobs that it creates indirectly and directly from the municipality, the access network to the globalisational markets. Um, I just don't think that these councils understand and what it means to get the World Cup for the women's here, what opportunities post it's going to provide. So, you know, I think in one aspect, you know, um, with, with, you know they're failing to understand this. Are we... You know, the question I ask ourselves, are we failing to educate them the the bigger picture of the game, yeah. um, you know, to make those decisions count, to understand that, yes, there is, uh, you know, this is a big market that we're going to play in. But these are the questions I ask myself every day. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's very true. But I think also there's... There's a degree, unfortunately, of, of stereotypes and you just have to see the sort of coverage that the recent... Um, unfortunate incident in sydney drew all of a sudden 2gb are very interested in the world game at npl level only because it enforced the stereotype that these are ethnic groups that are fighting against each other and it's just a few hotheads you know and and yet that prevalent attitude seems to be 
all the norm. You, there's there's yeah, the and I've had that discussion with several media outlets this week, and you know, Football Australia as well. Uh, and look, going off the reports, there, there was nothing to suggest that it was ethnic racial tension. Um, those two, if we really debunk it. Those two nations, Croatia and Macedonia, don't have any conflict as a part of the form of Yugoslavia. So that there is no conflict between those two nations. Um, but what it is that simply there is a minority of tendencies that come there to provoke antisocial behaviour, and unfortunately, everyone else pays the price mm-hmm. um, for it. Um, you know, and you know, radio outlets out there were quick to jump on it, but. You know, and started to point the fingers even when the police said it's got nothing to do with racial. Um, again, there was just a melee that sparked out on the ground between the two teams, and somebody decided to jump in and join it and be a boxer. And it was just, from there, it's really stemmed out. So, um, you know, they're really, you know, quick to jump on that, you know, that racial, ethnic. But look, this happens everywhere in the world. We just have to accept it. Um, I don't condemn this antisocial behaviour, I think it's quite bad, um, especially, you know, uh, we try and encourage families, kids, mothers, fathers, yeah. and, you know, and everybody to be embracive, um, to come along to the game. So I don't condemn it at all, uh, but it does damage um, the, the industry. It really does, this kind of publicity. Um, and, and that's why we had an opinion piece on our site yesterday, just debunking what that radio station was all on about. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's not good um, and I don't condemn it at all. Stacey, thank you very much for joining us and giving us a different perspective on the world game. Uh, I think next time we could, thank you very much. we could maybe explore a little bit more about the business opportunities. I like the statement that you said there about um, the business opportunities and the different models that we can present by embracing the world game into the into the community you're right um you know there's business that comes with um looking internationally um you know as an example afl is a our national probably one of our most national popular popular national is it the the most popular national sport that we've got um but uh, we could move further afield if we embraced our world sport here and i think we should explore that a little bit not right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> you have a great weekend over there. Thank you very much, and thank you to you all your listeners out there. You're doing an awesome job, and uh, keep it up. Good on you. Thanks, Stacey. Thank have you. a good weekend. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you. Bye. That was Stacey Ioannidis, who is the Soccer Scene CEO. That's a website that pretty much covers um, global issues, uh, national issues, um, business models, and things that affect the sport right across Australia and he's based in Melbourne. We're going to go to a break and come back and talk more football with Miranda Templeman. This is Penn, Andy and Neil on the World Football Program. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Not too long to go now. We aren't just the people who mow your lawn. We aren't just the people who paint your houses. We aren't just office workers. Or taxi drivers. Or even the family next door. Underneath it all, we are fans. No matter when, no matter where, we'll be there. Absolutely astonishing. 
time to let your inner fan out. No guts, no glory. Welcome back to the World Football Program. That's a little bit of nostalgia there. I like to throw one of those in every now and again so you can kind of figure out who the voices are. That was uh, Matilda's back from about 2013. This is Penny and we have Neil and Andy in the studio and we are talking football on the World Football Program with our special guest from over east, Miranda Templeman. Good afternoon, Miranda. Hi, Penny. Hi, everyone. How are you going? Hello, Miranda. You're a, you're a local here now, aren't you? You're on this show every week. <laughs> <laughs> she could be if uh, training and ambition didn't get in the way. Isn't that right? How's the adventure panning out over there for you, Miranda? Yeah, it's been brilliant so far. I think I've been over here... Uh, just over two weeks now and starting to settle into my new home here and um, training's been brilliant and just enjoying the challenges that it's all throwing at me. So what does new home look like for you? Is there different travel, different timetables, um, different uh, training regimens, teams? Are you actually playing football in a, in a competition over there or just doing training with the future Matildas? How does that work? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So I'm at the moment playing with New South Wales Institute, which is um, New South Wales equivalent of the NTC program, and they play in their MPL. So I've played a few games. We're heading into round three this weekend. Uh, Sorry, heading into round five this weekend, but it will be my third game. Um, And then training with the future Matildas um, about four or five times a week, um, plus the gym programs that they do, um, which has been brilliant. They've signed a new partnership with a gym around the corner from the training centre so we drive there and it's a great facility that we're privileged enough to use we've got our own dedicated area and yeah it's all been you know such an amazing standard and very lucky to be a part of it all sounds like you don't have much time to yourself mind you what is time to yourself is time to yourself eating a meal or spending time with your friends or is just all about the football uh, no, time to yourself. I've got, um, so I'm staying with Briley Henry, who's the Wanderers number nine in her family. So um, they've taken me around the city a bit. And um, yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of long car rides because everything in Sydney is very far away compared to back in Perth. So um, a lot of lo- loud music playing in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very surprised to hear you say that Sydney is a long way. I've never heard anyone actually say that. Oh, it is. Is it like, do you mean from one side of the city to the other? Yeah, look, if everybody jokes about Perth's only half an hour away, wherever you are, how far does it take to get there? Half an hour. Sydney, it's like two hours and you're still not out of the city. It's massive. Okay. It is. We're staying in um, Penrith, which is in Western Sydney. So if I want to get into, yeah, yeah, if I need to get into the city centre, it will take me like, you know, just over an hour and then there's tolls to worry about which we luckily don't have in Perth. Yeah. Wow, there you go. So this week has been pretty exciting um, for things that have been happening and one of the things I'm really excited about, Miranda, is that Lisa Devana has been identified and invited into the ID camp which is happening. Um, Tell us about some of the players that are in the camp um, 
Is it all about giving new opportunities for, for players? Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, as you're saying, Lisa Devanna had a great season with Melbourne Victory. And I think the same can be said about most of the players on that list have, you know, been recognised through an amazing W League season. And um, there are a few num- young names on there. I think there's about five people in the young Matilda's age group and um, then the rest of them uh, is a good mix. I think you've got, you know, players like Jessica Nash, who's only 16, 17, and then you've got the experience of Lisa Devanna in there. So it's definitely a great mix. And I know it's a similar kind of group to a, the camp I went with last week, last ID camp, um, where it's that range of experiences. And it, it's so good as a young player going into those environments because you can just soak up so much knowledge from these players. It's absolutely brilliant. What about with the W League having uh, ended and the players going back into their local football, um, what mm-hmm. do you think about the step down? Maybe that's not the right word, but like the change. The, the change from that W League level to NPL level and how we're trying to identify players to play up into the Matildas. What do, what do you think about how the players are going to maintain a level to be identified and play Matildas? Yeah, I think that's definitely a great point. I think um, a lot of the players that have had W League seasons, uh, they've had a few weeks break, so they're just coming back into the MPL environment now and um, you know easing back into some game time. But I think you know the players that do have those aspirations to go to the next level, they'll be the ones driving the standard and they'll rock up to training and they'll be doing their prehab and doing all the things right and looking after their body and um, demanding high levels and keeping the expectations high for the group that they're in, whichever team that might be. Um, so I think a lot of them take it upon themselves and that's the kind of characters that you do want to have represent you on the national stage. So, um, But in terms of keeping that level, a lot of players will go into the future Matildas program, you know, because they do have full scholarship holders who will train in every session, but they do also bring players in as extras um, who are a bit older and are in the MPO environment in Sydney. So um, that's a little bit of, and that's such a high standard there. And Leah Blaney, our coach, does a great job with that group and the standard there is so high and we all expect so much from each other so we can both push ourselves to get to the highest level we can. I think as well, for the first time this season, and correct me if I'm wrong, Miranda, that, that it hasn't happened before, but uh, I was speaking to Alex Pacas yesterday and he was mm-hmm. mentioning that the players who was stayed in Perth and were in the Glory Squad last year, uh, they're now being given additional training, strength and conditioning training by Glory over and above what their club are providing them as well. So that's definitely a change this season. And it does suggest that um, there is more of a, a buy-in from at least at this end of the country, back into the NPLW. But what's been mm-hmm. your impression of the standard in Sydney so far? Because we're not going to be attracting players from the Sydney NPL back in here, but definitely players from WA are making inquiries and noises about going and playing in that NPL mm. competition in Sydney. So it does seem to be a high standard. So is that something that you, you think is correct? or And what would you put that down to? Simply the number of W League players in there? Yeah, I think, you know, the the structure the league's got, it's it's 
quite similar to we do in Perth. It has, I think, 12 teams, though, so a few more teams. But, yeah, it's just, you know, it is pretty much full of W League players and players that want to be pushing themselves to get to their next level. They're just looking for the, the highest possible standard of environment that they can find. And, you know, that's what attracted myself over to New South Wales. And um, after just two games... I can, you know, you can already see the step up in intensity um, of games and training, and it's definitely a great challenge for me as a young player testing myself. You know, I think some of the teams will have seven or eight W League players in their starting eleven, which is just unreal. And it's probably, um, yeah, you could say it's down to numbers. I think you know, New South Wales has a much larger population than us, obviously. So, um, but yeah. So we were talking to Tony Sage earlier about mm-hmm. Perth Glory having a women's team in the NPL and he, w- he was actually quite calm about it, um, wasn't frustrated or annoyed that it didn't happen in the initial stages of the NPLW set up here in WA but that there might be another approach at some point in the next one or two seasons and you're saying that the New South Wales Institute is in the New South Wales League there. So the mm-hmm. New South Wales Institute would be f- filled with players that are developing, right? So not is it comparable to NTC or are we talking about young Matildas players in, in that squad? Yeah, it's, it's comparable to NTC, I think, definitely. It's a uh, under-18 squad um, playing in the NPL division. So you've, you do have a few young Matildas in there, but you also have you know, a few younger players even than that who are looking to try and take that next step up into the um, junior national team. So it's the same as NTC in the terms of it's that bridging gap between your junior football and your junior national team football. Yep, yep, okay, good. Does all of the states in Australia that have NPL competitions have that same setup where they have like an NTC or institute team in their NPL competition? I'm pretty sure at least um, most of the major states um, but yeah, it is that thing, and then we all come together and play each other at NTC Challenge, which I'm thinking is still going ahead mid year, which I'm very much looking forward to. I'll be wearing the blue, which will be a bit odd, you know, facing my old team, but um, it, sh- it will be a great tournament. It always is. So, yep, I, d- I do like the way you you still say us when you're talking about WA. So <laughs> yeah, you're not totally blue yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So on the uh, national stage, we're talking about an ID camp happening sometime. I don't know when the actual date is, in the next month or so. I don't remember seeing a date for that ID camp. But um, there's 26 players that have been selected there, all Eastern States base players. And Mm -hmm. there's about one, two, three, about five or six that have actually got some caps. Um, yeah. The the rest of the players that we would assume might be considered for the Matildas are all overseas playing professional football. So yeah. there's that step of NPL and then being identified future Matildas and then the professional players who are getting day in, day out, 24-hour kind of professional situations are elsewhere. Um, do you see or do you know if there's going to be a, like a connection with the national coach being here at some point and those two you know, joining where they'll have those professional players here with their um, Australian-based players uh, at some kind of program over the next six or 12 months? 
Um, look, I haven't heard anything, and obviously COVID makes everything very, very difficult at the moment. But I do know that um, Tony Gustafsson has been heavily involved in these ID camps. And um, the last one that I went to, he we had a Zoom call, which had him on it and all of the other um, national team players who were playing in England or Europe or wherever they were, who all dialed in. And we had all of us ID camp players sitting in a room um, on a camera. So it is, you know, they're just trying to bridge that gap between the players as best as they can uh, virtually at the moment. But I definitely think that at some point over the next year or so, they will be looking to get a a high squad together and link these Australian-based players with the overseas players. But the logistics around that will be very difficult. Yep, and it's going to have to happen because there's a Women's World Cup pending. Mm. And, uh, you know, as... Footballers and supporters of the um, Matildas, we want to see the best possible players and we want to see how they're going too. We want to see them playing together and uh, on television, live streaming, whatever it's going to look like. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what anything's going to look like no. right now. <laughs> what's What's your training look like? Are you um, Do they keep you a, a, um, as part of the squad or do they, they still separate the keepers out? Or So basically for most sessions with future Matildas we'll warm up as a team and then our keeper coach David Plowright will take us over and we will um, go do our keeper specific training and then for the second half of the session come in and we'll all do as a squad it might be small sided games it might be shooting it might be it's it's game realistic stuff so um and that's the you know we take the stuff that we've learned in our goalkeeper-specific training and apply it to the game-realistic situation straight away, which is one of my favourite ways to, you know, really put that way into practice. Mm. You're so very football-speak. You've been in the (laughs) football environment so damn long. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. So let's just uh, share with our listeners some of the players that uh, are overseas and how they're faring. Are, Are they on the bench, are they getting game time, are they doing us justice as uh, Matildas having left our shores and, and earning their, their their fares over there. So um, Sam Kerr, let's talk about Sam. Um, Chelsea, um, in fact, I think I talk more about Sam Kerr and Chelsea than I talk about Chelsea men's team. I wouldn't have a clue how the Chelsea men's team's going. Would not have a clue. I, I don't care about Who Chelsea. Cares? No, one, no one cares. I'm an Arsenal fan as well, yeah. so... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't know that. You yeah. Know, yeah. Okay, no, right, no, fine. Yeah. Got two Arsenal fans <laughs> in the studio here. Yeah, cool. So let's talk about the women's football uh, side of things. Um, Miranda, how are our uh, professionally uh, professional Matildas players going overseas? Tell us about some of them. Yeah, I know, um, you know, Sam Kerr has been doing brilliantly in Chelsea and they're really coming into form um, in their WSL season. I'm not sure of the standings, but I'm pretty sure Chelsea and Arsenal are... Um, two teams that are quite fighting for that top spot. And Arsenal, um, as you probably know, has quite a few Australian players. You like so Steph Catlu, who I think at the moment is coming back from a hamstring injury, but she's on the mend and close to being back. Uh, but Caitlin Ford is the one that's been in great form. I think the other week she got two assists in a game um, that they won. So the Aussies definitely have been flying the flag for us over in in England, which is what we wanted. And it's great for Australian football that they can go over there and represent us so well. That's right. I 
I read somewhere or, or was in some kind of conversation about our players having more bench time than not. But, um, yeah, just doing a bit of a peruse uh, across things, that they, they seem to be getting time. Is it enough time? I don't know. Are they getting full game time? I don't know that either. Um, Neil, go on. Ella Mastrantonia. I think yes. everybody forgets about her. Yes. Native mm. West Australian. And she got into the Matildas camp. She's doing really, really well at Bristol City. Um, and another West Aussie is at Bristol City as well, although she's just taken time out to have her first child, and that's the head coach, Tanya Oxterby. Yeah. There are also two yeah. West Australians in their academy as well. Um, so West Australian is being uh, really well represented at Bristol City. Yeah. And then Ellie, Ly um, Ellie Carpenter as well over in Olympic Lyon. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's French, she's having yep. a fantastic season and a very very strong club as well. So holding her own there. Yep. Um, the worry is though that uh, they were still showing up quite badly um, as a group when they played against uh, both Germany and, and the Netherlands. So there's mm. still a lot of work to do. But I think having them in those competitive environments in the European leagues is only a good thing. Yeah, and that's the thing that's changed, isn't it? Since the last World Cup, is that now we have our players in full professional playing capacities where they are now playing day in, day out against World Cup quality competition. Yep. So yeah, we've got a it's like a benchmark. We've got to just move up to it. Keep keep yep. stepping mm -hmm. up. Keep stepping up, yeah. And um, just for our listeners too on the WSL, that's the Women's Super League in England before we let you go, Miranda. Chelsea are sitting on top of the table, Man City, Arsenal, Man United, Everton. And there's 12 teams in that league, and Bristol City are on the bottom of the league at the moment. Come back, Tanya, mm. and help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did get, they did get to the final, um, but Hayley Razzo at uh, Everton is also doing uh, fantastically oh, yeah, well as well. Yeah. 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 Oh, th she's a great player. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Miranda, thanks for joining us. It's great to hear your voice on the airwaves again, just like you're part of the studio team here. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite the same, but enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Ha have fun. Uh, keep injury-free and enjoy your football. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good luck, Miranda. See ya. Bye. That was future Matilda. Miranda Templeman over in Sydney following her pathway to higher football levels. Thanks, guys, for joining us in the studio today. It's been great to have you all join in the conversation. Very Thank relaxed. You. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, it's been Two hours seemed like an hour and 45. Well, it was for you because <laughs> you got in late. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Up next is uh, Lennon Bags Groove with the Jazz Show. More football next week with Sean hosting from 10am through to midday. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thanks very much to our partners and Futsal WA, which is West Coast Futsal, new name. More on that. And Gate and Fence Hardware and Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy the football as normal. Stay safe. Keep out of trouble. See ya. See you, everybody. Bye. <laughs>